It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, October 5th, uh, just after the LA Galaxy's 2-1 loss to the San Jose Earthquakes up in San Jose on Saturday night. It was an ugly game where the Galaxy scored first uh, and then somehow gave up two goals in a wildly inconsistent and, and I would say, uh, maddening game. Uh, if you're an LA Galaxy fan watching, uh, and certainly any chances of, of any sort of chemistry being built on this team have to be questioned whenever you look at that. We're going to talk a whole bunch about that game and, and dig into some of that stuff. Uh, we have Jonathan Dos Santos and Rolf Felcher who are off on international duty. We're going to talk about that as well as as well as diving a little bit into the Chicharito um, issues that the LA Galaxy are having. Multiple games having been played now. Chicharito still not gelling in this offense. Is it Guillermo's fault? A whole bunch of stuff to talk about uh, around that as well. So we get you ready for a midweek game. Galaxy back in action against the Portland Timbers on Wednesday night at Dignity Health Sports Park. So lots of stuff to get to. Lots of things to cover uh, to help me do all that. It's Panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? Hey, did you hear the speaking of Chicharito? Did you hear the latest Galaxy acquisition rumor? No, what's that? The window hasn't closed yet in Europe, and there's a, uh, a perfect Galaxy acquisition: an aging superstar from a iconic uh, English team, just the kind of target the Galaxy go for. Arsenal apparently has let Gunnar Soros go. Uh, at least that's the rumor. I don't know how true that is, but I mean, the mascot could come here right away. Uh, you know, join the Galaxy. It would. I don't know if it would be an upgrade necessarily. Galaxy mascot's pretty good, but you know the Galaxy never seemed to want to pass over those uh, those aging stars from uh, you know iconic European teams. Gunnar Source would be a great acquisition if they could get him for the right price. Yeah, the, the right. He probably demand DP money. I'm guessing. I mean, coming from Europe and and being with a club as as storied as Arsenal, I would imagine that that I know one person who would be for it. Sophie Sophie would definitely be before Gunnar Source coming on over. I'm, but I'm, she, I think she wants Gunnar Source to stay there. I did hear another MLS team might be interested. Toronto. Uh, mainly because the nickname would be great, Tyrannosaurus. That's <laughs> a great name. <laughs> <laughs> did you come up with that yourself? <laughs> no, no I, I, I know I'm effortless, effortlessly funny. I did not come up with that one, though. I read that one on Twitter. But I liked it, Tyrannosaurus. What a great name. <laughs> I don't often like actually laugh at any of the stuff that you say, but that was actually, you know what? That's why I laughed. It wasn't yours. That's, I knew it was funny. That's so right. That, yeah. That's, it had to have been that. All right. Uh, let's get back on track with this just a little bit. All right. LA Galaxy lose to the San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, Galaxy dropped the last place in the Western Conference with the loss. Lose to the last place team in the Western Conference by losing to San Jose. Uh, San Jose had beat LAFC uh, the week, uh, the game before. Um, and so now, of course, San Jose beating their chest about being the Kings of California for a week, which is what the LA Galaxy did whenever they uh, can, uh, did that feat as well. So uh, lots of stuff sort of to talk about here. Yoni Gonzalez makes his his MLS debut for the LA Galaxy as well. I'm not sure we can draw anything from it. In fact, I know we can't, but he was there. He played 20, I think 20 something minutes. Um, you know, he was in there. It was during the subs that came in in the second half that did absolutely nothing. And, and the Galaxy looked lost. Um, they looked confused outside of the first four minutes. Mr. Kevin Baxter, uh, the Galaxy, you, you can't say that there's any sort of chemistry developing on this team or, or any sort of um, momentum shifting back towards that four-game winning streak to now be on a five-game losing streak. No, and a lot of the players talked about that after the game. David Bingham said that the way they came out, he goes, if you look at the first couple of minutes, he said, you think we're going to blow them out 5 nothing, 6 nothing, And then all of a sudden, you know, 15 minutes in, the game changes. Um, and a couple of players I heard using the, the term, "Let's we have to go back to the drawing board. And to me, that was troubling because that's exactly what they said after MLS is back. When they came back here uh, without a win and, and it looked like the season was lost and they talked about going back to the drawing board and starting over again, uh, and it worked. Remember, they had a four-game win streak. Um, the reason it troubles me now isn't because I think they might go on a four-game win streak, although that would be nice. It's like, how many times do you have to go back to the drawing board in the middle of the season when you essentially have the same team? Um, it, you know, is it a formation problem? Is it a chemistry? Players talked about the chemistry problem. Um, forget the number of games. I know the number of games is down, but these guys essentially have been knowing each other and training with each other and working together 
since January, and now we're in October, and they're still talking about chemistry problems. Yeah, and, j- and Yanni's the only guy they've added since then. Yeah, I, w- I would say that you know January since like the season started, but at the same time there was a giant break in between there, and then you had injuries to Chicharito, you had inju- injuries to Jonathan Del Santos, Yanni Gonzalez is new. I mean, I, I get it, and you're right; they they shouldn't be having as many chemistry issues. But this is really the first string of games that we've been able to see them actually, you know, start Chicharito, start Jonathan Dos Santos. Um, you know, together outside of the March 7th game, I think the game before this um, was the last time the, the LA Galaxy really sort of had this consistency built into their lineups. And so, um, you know, uh, it, it's an interesting lineup that comes out, though. And this is Guillermo trying to make some changes and trying to do some things. And I think without a right winger that was going to be able to start, it, was, it was, wasn't a horrible look. But they moved Jonathan Dos Santos into the 10 role. They moved Sebastian Legette out to the right. Uh, Rolf Felcher came in for, for the suspended uh, Julian Araujo. You had Kitchen and Corona put together. I mean, if you look at this, Kevin, outside of starting Legette, I would say, quote unquote, out of position, although I'm not sure he's a 10 either. So I don't know if that's his best position. Uh, but outside of Legette sort of starting in that one spot, this is a team that has Chicharito, Pavone, Dos Santos, Legette, Kitchen, Corona, Insua, Depew, Steris, Felcher, Bingham. The only guy in here who I'm like, you're not a starter, is Rolf Felcher at this point, and certainly that came true during this game. But the only guy in this lineup is that I'm saying is not a starter is Rolf Felcher. This otherwise should be a very dangerous team and should be capable of winning a game. Is is that out is that ridiculous to say, being we know the history, or seeing that talent on the field, can you say that the Galaxy should have had a better team than they did? Well, absolutely. And, you know, Legette's the only guy to score a goal in the last month, by the way. Um, and I'm going to push back a little bit about this chemistry issue. I get what the players are saying, but I think it's a cop-out. Um, I, I think Guillermo, did, one of the things that he did really well is how he linked Jonathan Dos Santos and Chicharito coming back from injury. If you notice, they, you know, Jonathan got a little bit of a head start on Chicharito, but as they started getting worked back into the rotation, he kind of kept them together the same minutes and, and then started them in the same game, um, you know, brought Chicharito on as a substitute with Jonathan. And I think what he saw in that is these guys have played together for over a decade with the Mexican national team. They know each other pretty well. I, you know, and, and when you look at the spine of the team, you know, running from Chicharito through Dos Santos back to Bingham, um, I don't see the chemistry problem there. So I, I'm not ready to give them a pass on that. But certainly when you look at this team, you know, Pavone has not been on the score sheet, I don't think, now in four games. Um, Sebastian Legette has carried the scoring. You look at Chicharito, missed a wide open net. You can talk about chemistry problems all you want, but when you have a wide open net and you hit the post on the far side, uh, I mean, there's something wrong there. Yes, that did lead to the score, but, I mean, Chicharito should have buried that. If he's your, if he's your target striker, he can't miss uh, shots like that. Um, it's just, yes, the talent is there. When you look at the individual qualities of these players, they should be doing much better. Instead, you know, right now the team is way to its second last place finish in four seasons. That's never happened to the Galaxy before. Yeah, it's it's not a good good place for them to be. Um, we talked about Rolf Felcher a little bit. I'm going to shine the spotlight on him. Um, Rolf Felcher had a horrible game and was, was responsible for both goals. In a lot of ways, uh, you can blame Julian Araujo for that, for not being able to stay on the field, because I firmly believe that if Julian Araujo was on the field, uh, that Rolf Felcher wouldn't have started in that position and wouldn't have given up two goals. Um, I don't think it's unfair to put Felcher in in the firing squad for this one, just because you can clearly see and, and delineate just the failures he's had in doing a lot of basic things. Um, you know, we, we talked about the, the fourth minute and, and just let's talk about Christian Pavone right now. And, and I will say this, and this is not by the way, any genius thing, but Kevin, I think we've established now at this point, that Christian Pavone as Christian Pavone plays the LA galaxy play, right? When he plays really well, the LA galaxy play really well. Uh, whenever he doesn't play very well, then he, he doesn't play very well. The galaxy don't play very well. And that was just supremely obvious in this game in which he made one individual move in the fourth minute that ended up creating that goal. He basically split two defenders and was off to the races, brought it inside, found Chicharito wide open. Uh, Chicharito hit it off the post. It comes back and, and legit buries it. If, Pavone doesn't make that play. There's no way that Leggett and Chicharito are in the proper position to be able to sort of help and support him. So really, it's a it's one moment of individual brightness that that opens this up, and it was a good finish by Leggett getting it. And you know what? It's a little bit of a tough finish for Chicharito, but you're absolutely right. He's a world-class striker. He needs to bury that, and he should. All right, so... 
there you go. That that was the only moment of, of brightness really from this LA Galaxy team because you go backwards, you see a 14 minute um, you know handball that David Bingham makes a great save on, right? Um, and there was all sorts of controversy in that because VAR or originally the referee said that Bingham left early, which by the way. If you're a referee and you're on the sideline and you're watching this, there has to be a little bit of benefit of the doubt whenever it comes to, um, you know, whether or not a goalkeeper leaves early because a referee tried to change that game and got it very, very wrong. Okay, and it took VAR to save the galaxy on that particular one. And and you, you can argue about the handball, whether it was even a handball. Um, FIFA says it is. I, it's just it's just a horrible, stupid rule. But, um, you know, Nick DePew gets gets sort of victimized on that one. But having said that, David Bingham had a great game and, and the LA Galaxy wasted it. You know, Rolf Felcher wasted this. Um, you know, I would say that there's a lot of guys. Jonathan Dos Santos wasted this performance. Um, because the LA Galaxy, and you're right, Bingham talked about playing good for 80 minutes, right? But he says if you if you can't play good, you know, it's it wasn't it wasn't the field, it wasn't a late PK that sort of cost us this game. It was the 80 minutes of bad play. That was that was David Bingham after this, and Bingham should be upset because he had one of his best better games this season uh, for the LA Galaxy, and really could do nothing about either of the two goals that the LA got, or the, that uh, the San Jose Earthquake scored on. So uh, my focus has to be on Rolf Felcher here, Kevin, and I know he's a he's a cheap option, and I've made that 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 argument many times. Um, but he can't be on this team long term with him playing the way that he's playing. No, his contract's up this year, and I think the way Julian Araujo has played, and and you know they brought in Yanni Gonzalez to be a winger. I think as good as Julian Araujo has been, I think his job is going to come back to right back, and he and he's going to he's going to continue to join the attack from right back. But I think he's going to go back to that position and. Rolf Felcher is going to be uh, the guy out. You talked about Jonathan Dos Santos and both Rolf and Jonathan, and I'm going to talk about that this in a minute, are, are going off on international duty. And I think you've sort of made the point of why they didn't try to keep Rolf Felcher. Although we should really talk about this a little bit more. Why Why you would let anybody go? You know, DC United and New York City FC, they, they both had, an, and other teams as well, but I know of those two. Uh, between them, they had more than a half dozen players called up, both for uh, qualifiers in, in South America and for friendlies in Europe. And they said no, they would not allow their players to go. And they were allowed to do that because um, basically the rule is, for those who don't know, when, when there is a FIFA international window, teams have to give up players that are called up by their national team. They, they, they cannot refuse to do that. Um, there, there is a little bit of leeway uh, for friendly. You can talk to the federation. You can try to make your point. Look, you, we really need him here. Um, this really only affects MLS because they're the only first division league that I know of, major first division league that plays through FIFA international break. So, you know, for the Premier League and Bundesliga and La Liga, this is not a problem. But the point being that, that if it's a international competition like a World Cup qualifier, the teams have to give up their players. Now, FIFA's made a uh, a ruling in this case uh, because the European teams have asked for it as well, which says if there is a quarantine, a government quarantine that says players have to be quarantined for more than five days when returning from an international competition – then the, the clubs can appeal and ask the national teams not to call those players up. Now, that figures in, you know, Premier League team, they don't want to send some of their players to Africa. Some of the Bundesliga teams don't want their players to go to South America. With MLS, it's MLS independent of what the government says in places like New York and Washington, D.C., where there are uh, quarantines as well. MLS has said, and I checked this with, with Dennis DeClosa earlier today, MLS is mandating a 10-day quarantine for anyone coming back from international competition. So when you let Ralph Felcher go, he's gone for the number of games he's going to miss, and then he's gone for a 10-day quarantine. Same with Jonathan Dos Santos. Now, you made the argument that perhaps Ralph Felcher's not, you're not going to miss him too much, but why would they let Jonathan Dos Santos go for two friendlies uh, that Mexico's going to play in Europe, knowing that you're going to miss him for five, maybe six games? This is the guy that's your captain coming back from injury, um, a guy you're going to need if you go into the playoffs. Um, and, and even with Felcher, a guy that you need for depth, because we know Julian Araujo can't stay away from the yellow cards, and you're going to need some depth. It's it's very curious as to why the Galaxy let these players go. Yeah, I would make the argument that there was no reason for the Galaxy to 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 acquiesce to the to those requests. Um, and you know, 
I'll be honest. I don't know how much it hurts everybody. I don't think Jonathan Dos Santos has been the same player since he got injured. Uh, He's not been the same player this year that he was last year. Um, It's, it's, I think quite honestly, it was a little bit of a surprise that he even got called up to the national team only because um, he has done relatively nothing this year. And you can say it's coming back from injuries and that's true. Um, and, and I certainly understand that. But when you look at him in this game, you know, for the first four or five minutes, everybody had everything working in, in the correct direction. Um, and the LA Galaxy played a pretty good game uh, through a guy like Jonathan Dos Santos, who was really moved into the 10 spot. Um, having said all that, there was nothing outside of that uh, after maybe the first 15 minutes. The, the Galaxy just simply were not responsive. We used to say last season that, you know, yeah, it was, it was Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and, and he was always on, so that wasn't necessarily, you know, the, the bellwether of whether or not the LA Galaxy were good or, or bad. It was Jonathan Dos Santos. When he played well, the LA Galaxy played well. When he didn't play well, the LA Galaxy didn't, and it was about controlling the middle with whoever he was paired with. Well, here's a job that Guillermo gives him, you know, this advanced 10 rules that sort of gets him away from the fray of Kitchen and Corona. Um, allows him to be more of the attacking style and, and more with, with Chicharito. Um, I saw times when Jonathan Dos Santos was up above Chicharito. And by the way, um, we saw this with Sebastian Legette as well, Kevin, which is you know sort of this inverted uh, formation where Legette would get above Chicharito or Dos Santos would get above Chicharito. And really, it was about making Chicharito a second striker in a, in a two-striker system whenever that would happen. It was momentary. It wasn't all the time. But that was the idea is to give more options. And you just you, you see Chicharito's positioning was perfect on the pass that, that Pavone was able to cut back to him. But Jonathan Dos Santos hasn't been doing anything, Kevin. And, and you're talking about a guy who makes designated player money. You're talking about a guy who really is on borderline targeted allocation money um, and is, I believe, coming up to the end of his contract at the end of 2021, not this season, but next season. It was, it was like a five-year deal, and I've never heard of anybody signing a five-year deal in Major League Soccer, but apparently Jonathan Dos Santos got that that five-year well, deal. Well, here's some more numbers on him. Um, he did have the injury. Um, he's only started four games this season, none of which the Galaxy have won. He's only played 90 minutes once. That was two games ago. He did play, I think, 89 against San Jose. So that goes back to the argument, why let him go? He's now starting to get fit. He's now starting to get to the point where he can play a full game. He's going to go to Mexico uh, with Mexico in Europe, and he may not play at all. And he may come back after having 10 days without playing and then go into a quarantine. And now he's got to start to ramp up his fitness again. You're losing what you've just gained in two, in, in the last two months. Um, so he's he's... He hasn't started the game the team won. He's only got 90 minutes once. And and when he's been on the field for 482 minutes, the Galaxy have been outscored 10 to, 10 to 6 in those 482 minutes. Yeah, so much is made about Chicharito uh, uh, playing and not having a win yet with the LA Galaxy. And and I really think it's the combination of those two players on the field that has really seen uh, the LA Galaxy struggle. And, and I think there's a lot to, to that to, to look in. We're going to well, go into here's, Yeah. Here's Chicharito's numbers real quick since you mentioned it. I, oh, 6 and 2 when he plays and whether he starts or, or comes off the bench, Oh, six and two shut out four times in those eight games. Mm-hmm. This is Mexico's all time leading score. Oh, right. six and two with four shutouts and eight appearances four one and one when he uh, does not play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's again, but you also have to look. That's such a horrible stat, and I know everybody likes oh, to repeat it. No, see, that's why it's <laughs> it's like everybody likes to repeat it because they're like, oh, well, this is gospel. This is what is actually happening, and you can say that he started the last two games, and so you can make that argument about the last two games because I watched all those games. You watched all those games. Most Galaxy fans watch those. The games that he has come in too late, the Galaxy have sucked for most of that game to get there. The bottom line isn't that. And by the way, I think Chicharito has a huge is digging himself a huge hole um i think that uh in order for the la galaxy to get anything out of him he's gonna have to start knocking in goals they're gonna have to start figuring out a way to play with him um and the bottom line is that you can sit there and bellyache about how bad chicharito is or you can look at how the la galaxy are utilizing him we're gonna talk about that because you know bruce bruce arena my a lot of my soccer education i should go back on this a lot of my soccer education revolves around bruce arena right um i grew up watching him with the national team um i grew up and then whenever i was a reporter i grew up covering him in the LA Galaxy. So a lot of what Bruce has taught his players over the year, I think, has rubbed off on me. Um, And one of the things Bruce always did, Kevin, was put players in a position to succeed. 
Uh, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to make the case here in, in a couple minutes, that uh, Guillermo Barra-Scalotto is absolutely putting Chicharito in a position to fail, and he's doing it. And if you're going to get the most out of him, you need to put him in a position to succeed, and that's not happening. So well, we're going to talk about that. Um, but and you the, can, the, yeah. Let me just say about, about the numbers before we get away from those. I, I agree with you that one player doesn't make the team and, and that the numbers may be misleading because the Galaxy uh, – you know, have not put a lot of great players around him. But then we made the, the point at the beginning of the show, when you go individual, uh, will not be going off on international duty. He was on Argentina's preliminary roster. I, I think you can make the argument that he has played himself off that roster uh, with the way he's played in the last month. He is not going down for qualifiers, so he will stay here. But my point was going to be, yes, you can look at the numbers and say um, it's not all Chicharito's fault, but the object of the game is to win. And if you score 50 goals and your team finishes last, that is not a successful season. So I, I do think that Chitorito, being the designated player, being the guy with the largest transfer fee in franchise history, um, being Mexico's all-time leading scorer, the guy, the focus of the offense, and we'll talk about why that the offense is out of focus, um, Chicharito out of position but I do think there is something to say when you look at those stats and say they're not winning with him if you're a winner the team wins when you play right um, it, they, you know I don't want to compare him to Zlatan Zlatan's a, a one in a bajillion guy he's a one in a generation guy but look where you know Zlatan's won everywhere he's gone um, and Chicharito's coming from West Ham where they were playing poorly Sevilla uh, didn't take off until he left there um, had some good seasons at Leverkusen, some good seasons at United, but I mean, I, I you know they're o six and two with him on the field uh, yeah. for the Galaxy. Hey, give them the o o three, right? O and three. You can give him o and three as far as you know the last three games. Um, you can give him the ninety, you know, the ninety minutes he played against Houston at the beginning of the season, the ninety minutes against Vancouver, and the ninety minutes against Portland, the first game in that MLS's back tournament. You can give him those. I mean, the, the, some of these numbers make sense. I don't want to like completely dismiss them. I just don't like people grouping the two games that he played thirty three minutes and thirty six minutes in with the rest of those, and that's where really I have more of an issue. Um, so, I, you know, yes, there are some that you, you have to. If you're not acknowledging that Javier Hernandez has not been holding up his end of the bargain, um, then you're not watching what's going on. Um, and I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge Chicharito fan. So I, I, I'm not part of these Fairweather fans that are dumping on the guy. Um, I still think he's incredible talent. It's just... You you can't hide it though. He's not performing. I, I you know I love him. I think he's a great player. I I thought the Galaxy and I still think the Galaxy made a great move to get him for a number of different reasons. It's not working out. No, no, it's not. And, and that's sort of the whole difference is I've been sort of in the let's wait and see. Let's see how they sort of develop him. And again, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So that's the thing. The last thing I want to touch on before the San Jose game, though, um, before we move on and, and sort of touch on some of these other uh, news articles that we we wanted to get to um, was that and and legit made this statement. Bingham made this statement and they all cl they all clarify this. All right. So I want to say because as soon as I tell you that legit and Bingham made these statements, these guys are going to get called soft and the morons who say that um, always like to take one thing out of their out, out of uh, out of what they say and make that like what the focus was on for legit and Bingham their focus was on that the LA Galaxy are not playing well all right the chemistry's not there they're not playing their game plan they're playing somebody else's game plan whenever you do that you're gonna lose they took full advantage for that they didn't even bring blame Rolf Felcher who was in horrible positions on two times um, in that game and by the way Sebastian legit also out of position on the first goal um, we want to talk about uh, one of the biggest issues the LA Galaxy have it's whoever is playing the right wing decides not to play defense. Sebastian Legette decided not to play defense. The late run into the box is where the ball ended up popping and that's why Rolf Felcher who was slow to react and got sucked inside came out and sort of covered his manhood there and, uh, and turned sideways at the shot. Um, that's what happened there. Rolf Felcher put himself in a horrible position to be able to defend that last ball that led to the penalty kick. It's absolutely 100% his fault that he put himself in that position. But you know what also was a factor? Both Legette talked about it and both Bingham talked about it. And they said it wasn't the reason, but it was a major factor. Was that field. Kevin Baxter. That field has injured multiple players this year. I think uh, Portland had two players injured the last time they played on it. Uh, the Galaxy slid all over the place. They look like Bambi on ice, and and, and Bambi in that first right after Bambi's mother gets shot. Is it mother? No, it's the father who gets shot. Who gets shot? It's the mother. I can never it's, remember. No, no. 
they both get shot. At Bambi winds up an orphan. You just cut to the chase. Spoiler alert. Wow. Wow. That, that You know, that's a harsh movie for kids. Anyway. Um, it is. It's yeah, horrible. But, but the galaxy looked like Bambi on ice out there. All right. I was waiting for Thumper to come around. All right. So this is, this is, it was horrible. It was atrocious. It was dangerous. How many times did you see players get hurt or take knocks on this because they slipped? The only sort of saving grace in all this was that, on multiple occasions, LA Galaxy players slipped and ended up injuring San Jose players. So it wasn't even like San Jose was gaining any benefit from it. But for anybody saying that field wasn't an issue, Sebastian Legette said it was a, it was really bad. It was atrocious. It wasn't the reason they lost. And yes, both teams play that. By the way, the whole both teams played on the field is a BS argument as well because one team is used to playing on ice and one team is not used to playing on ice. And you can see the difference. Not only that, the LA Galaxy playing style of cutting inside, making horizontal cuts, changing direction quickly does not work well on that field. And people were also saying, I'll go on Twitter, well, they just need to wear long spikes the spikes don't matter whenever you plant and the grass that is in the ground comes out it just slides right away from the soil right so san jose has a horrible field it's like they decided to lay off their their uh their their field maintenance person um you know during this global pandemic and they decided not to bring it back it plays nicely on top all the players have told me that all right but to to look at this field and not understand how MLS is not saying anything or not doing anything because it's been multiple games across four or five different teams recently and people are going to get hurt and MLS is going to sit there with like sort of oh I didn't I didn't know it was such a horrible thing it's it's horrible and it needs to be talked about. Well, first of all, Thumper is a, a grossly under underappreciated uh, supporting actor. I okay. just want to say that. Okay, good. Um, but the field situation, I mean. It, they haven't played on. They didn't play on it for for what six months. They had plenty of time to fix that field. Um, what it is is it's they've laid out a new field and and the roots have not taken hold yet. That's what's going on. But it's a poor excuse to, to use that because I, I know the Rose Bowl one year when they played uh, the Rose Bowl game and then they had a BCS championship game. They actually tore the entire turf out and put a new field in in less than a week. And nobody complained about the field at all. So it can be done, whether it's a question of money, talent, the kind of grass to use, whatever it is. I did hear that M MLS ha does know about this problem. Uh, they're apparently investigating. You can probably bet that they'll do nothing about it. But uh, it, it's an embarrassment, and there's not a reason for it because, um, you know, the, the guys who do the field maintenance, uh, they're socially distanced. They can wear a mask, and they could be out there working on that field in June and July and August when the team is back in Florida playing in the MLS's back tournament. Presumably the team trained on that field in, in August and, and September around games. There's no reason for the field to be this way. And you're right, someone is, A, someone's going to get hurt, but B, it affects the way they played. The Galaxy have been up there, played twice now, and came back with one point. Um, the games were close. One was scoreless, one was 2-1. to one. Could the Galaxy have come home with six points? Yeah, they could have. And could that have made a difference in the in the race for a, a playoff berth? Absolutely. Did the Galaxy give up six points? I'm not making that argument. I'm just saying it's possible, and the field could be a reason for that. Yeah, it, it, it is a reason. All right, is it an excuse? No, the Galaxy still suck. All right, I've watched them play enough times that, that they still suck. Um, and, and you can see that. They're just they're not a good a good team right now. Now, uh, I'll tell you this. The guys who work the field at Dignity Health Sports Park are amazing and so good at their job and what they do. And if that if the if the LA Galaxy field turned into what, you know, the, the San Jose Earthquakes was, um, then they would be embarrassed. Um, and the, the San Jose Earthquakes organization should be embarrassed. I doubt they are. Um, you know, they're just happy with the win and, and they can move on from it, but that's, that's bad and it needs to be addressed. And, you know, I, I guess the galaxy are not really not used to playing on it because, uh, they never actually get to play San Jose in that stadium. They usually move it to Stanford stadium. And right now I'm guessing that's the better answer, um, for playing on than, than that field. So it was an issue. It was a major part of this. You know, Kevin, you cannot say a hundred percent for sure that Rolf Felcher gives away a penalty kick. If that field is a real field and not an ice rink. Um, because Bingham talked about it, uh, Legette talked about it, but they said, yeah, you could see he lost his footing. Now, he's still in a horrible position. Can we acknowledge that? He's in a horrible position. He's back, he's facing his own goal. He's coming over top of him. You know, he needs to play that ball better than he does, but he doesn't, and he brings down the player. Um, and, you know, you can put 90% you know, fault on Rolf Felcher for not being in the right spot, but that 10%, that difference right there is on a regular field, he probably doesn't give away a penalty kick um, because he's in a horrible position. Maybe he just gives away a goal instead, um, which 
which is also a possibility. But uh, Rolf Felcher's not long for this LA Galaxy team in, in terms of uh, you know the future. Uh, if he does stay, it's because he's a cheap off-the-bench option that can be serviceable in certain situations. But you need to provide him with cover. And if you're putting Sebastian Legette in front of him, Sebastian Legette doesn't play defense. Um, almost anybody they put in that position decides not to play defense. Uh, the one guy who they can put in that position who plays defense is Julian Rajo. Julian Rajo needs to stay on the field for the LA Galaxy. Um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of where I sit on, on the San Jose game. Anything else you wanted to touch on from the San Jose game? You good? Yeah, one thing, you talk about Rolf as a cheap option off the bench. You know, he he was guaranteed $242,000, a quarter million dollars last year. We don't know what he's getting this season. That's uh, that's not a cheap option off the bench. That's, that's cheap. pretty expensive. No, that's that, cheap. Too- that's that's cheap. Look how much people Gonzalez is making. Look how much Insua is making. We don't know how much Insua is making, but I guarantee he's making more than $250,000. Um, well, I, I don't know. When I look at Steven Betasor, not, not re-signed by LAFC, and he only made 298000 He was on the MLS team of the decade as an outside back. Uh, the fact that Rolf Felcher is within 50000 of that is kind of an insult to Betasor, I think. Well, I mean, Rolf Felcher is an... Uh, I'm not going to say it. I was going to say Rolf Felcher is an insult to a lot of things, um, and I didn't say it. So I'm glad I didn't say it, because that's that's probably hitting below the belt. Um, all right, let's get into this a little bit. Uh, the, a little bit of uh, LA Galaxy news coming up. The LA Galaxy are supposed to travel to Colorado this Saturday, October 10th. Uh, fans were sold tickets for this game, so there was a limited amount of tickets available for this um, for this game itself. Um, and so what basically was happening was, uh, was I know some Galaxy fans were traveling to Colorado. In fact, I got a couple DMs about people looking to, to for cool places in Colorado to hang out. Um, and I was like, I hang out with my kid whenever I'm there. So do you want to do kid stuff? Because that's pretty much what I got you covered for. So um, they were going. The Rapids have now tracked back on that um, and have decided not to allow uh, fans in there. So um, let's see. One of one of our uh, one of our listeners and a big LA Galaxy fan who actually lives in San Antonio uh, had tickets to go see the LA Galaxy when they were going to play FC Dallas. Kevin, uh, those got canceled. Had tickets to go see the LA Galaxy when they were going to play in Houston, right? And that got canceled. Um, and so then had tickets to go to this Colorado game um, to go, and that got canceled. I think it's been three or four games that have got canceled on on our uh, our San Antonio listener there, but. Um, it's 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 just that's it's just tough and you have to look at the Colorado Rapids who have had a covid outbreak on the team it's mostly staff members and i think four players um, right now, but I think a total of 11 or 12 total uh, COVID-19 cases, and it seems that they have, have shut those down, and they've been rescheduling games um, all the way up until this, I think, this Galaxy game. This Galaxy game might be the first one, although I think they might be scheduled to play on Wednesday night, um, and if that goes through, then the Galaxy game would be the second one. Well, yeah, Wednesday they're supposed to play LAFC, and there is some doubt whether that game will be played. And if it's not, Colorado already has so many games backed up that uh, I'm hearing hearing that the LAFC game, if it has to be postponed, would not be replayed until after decision day, if necessary. So that's how dicey things are getting for the Rapids. And by the way, if you're looking for things to do in Denver, and Josh, you'll back me up on this, Casa Bonita is the place you want to go. Yeah, whenever it's non-COVID times, absolutely. Uh, Marcelo Sarvas told me that that was the place to go as well, by the way. Um, whenever he was in Colorado playing for the Rapids uh, at one point. So uh, yeah, that's a that's a place to go. I mean, I think they got the, isn't that the place that has the cliff divers inside? Yeah, the cl- cliff diet is the campiest place on earth. Absolutely um, wonderful. Yeah, it's 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 horrible. It's the funniest place you'll ever go to. But yeah, they do have cliff divers. Yeah, I gave out some some shout outs for some mini golf places in the area. So that was my uh, my my addition to all this. Uh, Castle Bonita featured in uh, um, um, which which South movie? Park. South, South Park. Park. Ah, yes, South Park. I, I remember that. Yep. Um, LA Galaxy are scheduled to have a media conference call tomorrow. So media availability on Tuesday. Um, it was funny. Uh, Guillermo Barrescoloto is the only one scheduled to talk on this, and and there may be some players. We'll we'll find that out. But it was sort of one of those things where I was like, hey, are there going to be any players on this? The Galaxy were like, listen, you can request people, and we'll try to get somebody in there. But like with just imagine, this is all the stuff that we've been doing lately. Is that you know the Galaxy talked on I think Thursday before the Saturday game. They talk after the Saturday game. They talk Tuesday of this week. They'll talk Wednesday after the game. They'll talk probably Thursday or Friday for the Saturday game, and then. Saturday after the game as well. It's just, it's a lot, Kevin. 
it's a lot for me. But it's even. one. It's one or two players. I, I mean, know. The, the whole the galaxy excuse. Oh, they were talking all the time. Well, we had Bingham and Joe Corona and Sebastian Legette. Okay, that's three guys after the game in San Jose. There's 26 other guys on the team. Yeah, I mean, but how many of those 26 do you want to hear from? I, mean, I know you want to talk to people. I, absolutely. That's that's all I'm all I'm waiting for. That's I mean, you know, that's where it sort of gets in. There's probably like you know, there's 11 guys realistically, or 12 guys that you want to focus on. Um, you know, the conference calls already are always have about 40 people on there, and the off chance that Chicharito speaks. Um, so it's just, man, it's. It's, I'm just saying I'm getting burnt out. I don't care. You can talk about them rotating through people. I have to be on all these calls too um, yeah. and doing all this stuff. So I, I next year, whenever everything goes back to normal, God willing, um, I won't have to be in all these calls and then I'll complain about it. So I just wanted everybody to prepare for next year in 2021 when I complain about not being able to attend as many trainings as I am with the Zoom calls. So uh, that's really you know all. You know what I think? I think whoever wears the armband should have to talk. Yes, because I th- I think especially when if a team is winning or losing, someone needs to come and say, you know, we're playing great, but we're really not. You know, we have to improve, or we sucked, and here's why. The guy who wears the armband can sp- is the one guy that can speak for all eleven players on the field. I think, um, and Sebastian has just done a good job trying to do that. All the guys have that have come have tried to sum up the team perspective, but it's really the captain who by putting on that armband is given the the permission by the rest of the team to represent. Uh, the players and I, I think the guy with the armband needs to come every time. Who is that, by the way? It's Jonathan Dos Santos for the last game. He well, was the captain, it, right? And so he should have come. Daniel Steris has has been captain, and he's come and spoken, and yep. he's been very eloquent. I thought, but yet when Jonathan wears the armband or, or Chicharito's worn it a couple of times, whoever it is, I think that person needs to come. It happens in hockey. Um, you know the other other team sport where they're you know the captain the captaincy is important um you always go to the the captain of a hockey team after every game and he tells you what the what the boys in the room are thinking right. and how they're feeling and i think that needs to happen with the galaxy too yeah i would uh, the galaxy as well you can't say galaxy too all right because we have galaxy they're, two news they're going to the playoffs i don't I'm know about was, galaxy also i don't know if they're going to the playoffs i was gonna say the la galaxy two are the one la galaxy team right now that are going to the playoffs uh they have a game coming up against reno that is going to sort of set them off i think this is an important game for everybody to watch um one is because they actually have a chance of winning uh whereas the la galaxy the senior team as of late really doesn't feel that way so um this la galaxy two team is good um but the the biggest deal here is that if reno and reno was a very good team in the western conference although there are some questions about um where they finished if reno 1868 um comes in and beats la galaxy two there's an option for the LA Galaxy, and, and the option for the LA Galaxy is to take Augie Williams, who finished second in the USL in scoring with 13 goals. Uh, he's, a, he's a hot foot right now. There's an option to bring him up to this team, Kevin. Uh, they could bring Augie Williams up to this team, uh, up to the senior team, and help them out in a position that they need help in, which is at striker. Uh, and he's more of a target, target striker than Chicharito is. Um, and as we transition into... Um, this next topic, uh, it, it becomes even more important. And, and I'll tell you just real quickly, LA Galaxy 2, Saturday, October 10th, first round of the USL Championship playoffs. I think there's a good chance Reno beats LA Galaxy 2. But having said that, I think this will be a competitive game. And so you're going to want to watch it. Um, it's a 6 p.m. Pacific time game. All of the USL games, by the way, ESPN Plus. So you will not be blocked out. There's no way for you to be blocked out. Nobody else has the rights. It's just ESPN Plus. You can watch it. And so that game, again, October 10th, 6 p.m. You're going to want to watch that. And so you can find it. Now, you know what Reno's record is? What is Reno's record? Reno nine one one. Oh wow! There it was. Okay, good. No. I'm, I'm glad. I don't think that's really their record. I no, I, and I don't think they should be Reno eighteen sixty eight. Right? They shouldn't be Reno nine one one. I mean, wouldn't that be better? It would be better in a minor league baseball sort of way. So if you wanted it to be more minor league baseball, then yes, it should be Reno nine one one. Their record is eleven two and three, uh, and which is which is much better than nine one one. Um, so anyway, yeah, the, the, I think the option, the argument here is that they played, uh, Portland and I forget one other team, uh, was in their group that were, you know, basically very bad. Um, so, so that would be the argument, but, um, it's still an important game. It's one to watch, uh, again, Saturday, October 10th, the same day, of course, that night, uh, the LA galaxy will play in Colorado or they're supposed to, uh, play in Colorado. So, um, you sort of have to split your time, but you can probably, you know, dual screen that on your computer, or your laptop, something to watch for sure. 
here's again why it's important is um, and we have to give a couple shout outs to the to the corner of the galaxy discord members uh, Ramiro in the in the COG discord compiled this uh, I know uh, Chris Tucker over at uh, Riot Squadcast asked for this data and was sort of they were kicking around in the discord trying to figure out some stuff and sort of look at Chicharito and how he has fared and Ramiro went out and like did this this is not I, I told him that this was like an unbelievable accomplishment just because acquiring the data or actually sifting through the data in order to get you know your final analysis of things is is 10 times harder than doing the analysis once you have the data it's easy to do the analysis it's trying to find the data but basically uh what was being postured in the discord and it's something that you can join of course the link to the discord is always in the show notes so you can go down there and join us there's over 650 members in there and usually there's about 50 active at any one time so it's always a good place to discuss la galaxy stuff and everything else by the way um, was the question was in what system is Chicharito um, more dangerous? Does he score more goals? And this is pre LA Galaxy, right? Um, so this is his European career um, leading up basically to the to the LA Galaxy time. Was he better in a two forward role or was he better as the lone forward? And the total is 156 goals, Kevin. 156 goals and 53 assists total for Chicharito. Okay. The the answer to this is that in a lone forward situation out of those 156 goals chicharito scored 49 of those goals in a single forward formation okay what he's playing in right now uh which means that if you go look at the two forward uh formation he scored 107 of his 156 goals in a two forward formation that means that he scored 68.5 percent of his goals in a two forward system and 31.5 percent uh, in a, a in a one forward system. Okay, so that's the first thing um, that we lay out. The assists are also skewed almost in the exact same way. Thirty-seven assists in a two forward system, sixteen assists in a one forward system. Again, sixty-nine point eight percent to thirty point two percent for uh, for Chicharito and, and those assists. Those are rough percentages, by the way. I rounded up, you know, depending on what the decimal was. So if they're not one hundred percent perfect, we're, we're within. The, uh, the margin of error for here. So, Kevin, I, I, I have a great question for you. What system is Chicharito currently playing in? He's currently playing as a lone striker, a yeah. target striker. Uh, uh, yeah, a target striker. We can say that it's a target striker. We, we will laugh when we say it, but yes, it is. Um, and that's sort of what the position that they have him in, right? So you're looking at this. Now, we agree that Chicharito is... He's, he's kind of a missed the target striker. He's, he's a, he's a I-get-the-ball-out-on-the-wings target striker, which isn't a target striker kind of striker. Um we, we both agree that Chicharito is past, quote unquote, past his prime. Um, and so he's on the, the backside of his career, right? I mean, that's not something to say. And we, we, that's not something anybody's going to argue with us, right? Well, I, no, I, I don't think so. But remember, he's also played in a three. I thought he did pretty well in the three forward uh, situation with Mexico as in the last World Cup. Uh, he, he played a little bit up top by himself. But for the most part, it was a... I thought it was a four-three-three, and you know he had Chucky Lozano on one side and Vela and 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 uh, Raul Jimenez up there. You know it was a it, it, a different talent level, and I thought he played pretty well with wingers on both sides as well. Um, whether you want to call that a you know say he's pushing forward and he's the lone striker kind of like he's supposed to be with the Galaxy, um, I, you know I just don't think he works in a four-four-two though. Well, why don't you think he works in a four-four-two? Because I think he needs people on both sides of him. See, I, I and, and this would disagree with you, by the way, the two forwards that he would have. Right. So as in he's one of two forwards, uh, a four, three, three is obviously a, a different situation. And I don't think this looked at international goals. This looked at club goals. Right. So yeah. um, for the most part, he played in a two forward situation. Um, he played in a lone forward situation. When you look at this. Um, you have to sit there and say, okay, so he needs a partner. Now, GBS has been trying to give him a partner, but not in the way that Chicharito needs a partner. He's not the target striker. He's not the guy. Um, Sebastian Legette, by the way, was asked by Scott French. This was an insightful question and an insightful response, so let me give it to you. Sebastian Legette asked about the difference between playing with a target striker like Zlatan Ibrahimovic and a striker that is not a target striker. Really, he does different things uh, in, in Javier Hernandez. Um, 
and and Lejet said, and I quote, "It's a great point in just the types of diff- uh, types of players and the different approach to the game. It's so different. It's night and day. It was easy with Ibra. If you needed an outlet, you just needed to just knock it up the field. And of course, he's going to be the target man. He's going to bring it down. Even Zubac at times has done a really good job with that. But with Chicha, it's just a completely different approach in that sense. We have to find him. He has to be a target in a sense, but the ball has to be more on the ground than in the air. So it's a big difference. It's still a work in progress, obviously, but we just have to keep giving him a chance and keep supporting our guys. It's the best we can do right now. And quote, this was after the San Jose game. Um, that to me says a lot, right? And duh, that Chicharito and Zlatan Ibrahimovic are different types of players. I mean, that's nobody's, nobody's like suddenly, oh, wow, the revelation is there. But just in terms of how the LA Galaxy have tried to find him, the bottom line is that Chicharito's not being used as an outlet to relieve pressure either, Kevin. And a lot of times, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was a relief valve, right? You could knock it up to Zlatan, even Zubak. And, and we talked about this when the Galaxy were winning. And I said, it's going to be different because Zubak is a target striker. And while he may not be offensively very good, he can be used as a relief valve. He can be used to sort of hold the ball up and then distribute out of it. There are a lot of things that, that Ethan Zubak can do that Chicharito just can't do just because of size and positioning. Um, and so Legette's pointing that out. And if you're Guillermo Barros-Scalotto and you're trying to get, at least in my opinion, Kevin, you're trying to get the most out of Chicharito, you need to put him in the best position to succeed. And right now he's not doing that by putting him up there by himself. He's trying to milk, you know, the best out of Chicharito that scores, you know, 31 and a half percent of his goals in a forward system. You're trying to get a percentage of those goals in when he should be trying to take a bigger bite of the pie. He should be looking at that almost 70% of his goals that have been scored in a two forward system. And Jonathan Dos Santos or Sebastian Legette getting forward and above him is not the answer either. It needs to be in a real system. And I think a 4-4-2, one, because it's simple, Okay, you, there's no film you have to run for the LA Galaxy in order for them to run in a 4-4-2. Kevin, you and I have talked about this. A 4-4-2 is like soccer vanilla, right? You, you, everybody knows it. You just yell 4-4-2 and everybody falls into position. And for the most part, they can figure out the intricacies in that. But you need to put somebody up there with Chicharito. He needs to be able to run off somebody, and you're not doing that right now. And how is he supposed to be successful when you're not putting him in that right position? Well, I would agree with you in that the 4-4-2, everyone knows how to play that. It's basic. Uh, I'd put Pavone up there, but... Uh, and this may be too complicated, especially for a team that's failing to grasp the concept now. But, you know, what if you did a four? Let me see if I get the math right. A four, one, two, three. Is that right? Yeah, that would that adds up to 10. So you have your back line. I would put a Rahwit right back. Then I would put uh, I would put two sort of holding midfielders, probably Perry Kitchen and Joe Corona. Have Jonathan between them and the front line as sort of the 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 uh, the link from the back to the front. And then up front, Pavone and, and Legette on the sides with Chicharito in the middle, and then he has two people to play off of. Yeah. Is that too complicated? Do you think that works? Well, no, it, 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 this is why it doesn't work, because you're going to ask whoever is out there on the wings to also play defense, right? So you're going to ask a Yoni Gonzalez, you're going to ask a, a Christian Pavone to also play defense, because otherwise your midfield gets really narrow, right? Because you're going to ask you know Joe Corona to, and, and Perry Kitchen to sort of fly out to the sides, um, and Jonathan Dos Santos to guard the middle of the field. I mean... In a lot of ways, your your formation is a four three three, um, just because right. Of, right, you know, like you can sort of morph that into a four three three and say, okay, you know, the three in the middle are playing in a triangle. Um, you could do that. I just I want a dedicated person up top with Chicharito, and that means that you're going to get outnumbered in some places. But he needs to run off of people, and right now the Galaxy are not getting enough people. Look at the success that they have just in the first four minutes, which is that that Pavone is up and in the attack, right? And so he's able to sort of play it back to Chicharito. Playing back to Chicharito is where you want to find him because you also have Legette in the area, which is also drawing some people. So you have three people, you know, relatively three people in the box right there. And that's why that's a successful play um, because there's areas for Chicharito to be able to move into, but the Galaxy don't get into that position enough. They don't. And if you need a relief valve, Chicharito can't be a relief valve. I went and saw his touches, Kevin. Right. And, and you look at Chicharito. And by the way, I think he had 36 touches in this game, uh, which, by the way, I think is his highest. Um, and I'd have to go back and check some of the other ones. But nonetheless, he was more involved in this game than he had been. And really, it was just the first half and, and a lot of that. He had one shot that hit the post. He had two shots that blocked. So technically speaking, you know, real close to three shots on target. They're not. But that's 
that's a different argument and, and how you look at that. Um, so, so you had him the most involved in this in the game, probably in the first half, than he has been um, when you do it. But if you look at his touches and where he's starting things, he's catching all of his touches out on the wings, Kevin. He's not catching them in the box. Um, I think Chris Tucker counted. He had three touches inside the box. I just told you the three you know, shots that he had. So if you get him touches in the box, he's going to put the ball towards target. I'm not saying they're always on target, but he's doing that. But you're not getting enough players up there. So... Going back to the LA Galaxy 2 side, they lose to Reno, and you can go and you have the ability to put somebody up there with him that has a hot foot, that is scoring, that has a ton of confidence, and even if it's at the USL level, I don't care. You can fake being an MLS player for a couple of games whenever you have confidence in your ability. I'm saying you go down and you get Augie Williams if they lose this this Reno game, and you pair those two up top, and you keep a midfield of Jonathan Dos Santos, and I think Kitchen for me because I like the defensive side. You have Pavone on one side. You have Yanni Gonzalez on the other side. You have a back four that includes Araujo. Um, I don't hate any of that, and I think it still plays defensively enough for the LA Galaxy because they're going to get outrun. You're going to ask Augie Williams to play a little bit defense and pressure from that top, but also be a little bit of a target striker, so he's going to have to pivot around Chicharito, but you're going to put players in positions they can succeed in um, and that's what in my opinion Guillermo's not doing and he's doing it at risk of you of losing his job but he, he also just put your best player on the bench or your hottest player which one legit legit yeah. yeah yeah well I mean here's here's the rub on legit um, you can and, and certainly you'd be correct in saying that he has six goals and his six goals now is one away from I think tying his uh, his all-time uh, yeah, it is. season so high, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's done it in less minutes, and there's a whole bunch of things to, to sort of look at that. Having said that, LeJet has not provided the defensive cover that you're going to need on this. I, you know, here's the other thing. Take Jonathan Dos Santos out of there um, because he's gone for a couple games, right? Um, he's gone for three or four games. Put Sebastian Legette in that spot. I'm fine with that. You need somebody who's going to be able to to link together with the forwards in that position, and you're going to have to stack those midfielders a little bit in there. Um, and so I'm, I'm fine with having Sebastian Legette in there, but the bottom line is Sebastian Legette doesn't play defense. Um, Efrain Alvarez, the reason the LA Galaxy fell apart whenever he comes in, he doesn't play defense, and I would argue he doesn't have the playmaking ability he's, he's credited with a lot either. Um, you saw the Galaxy bring subs into that San Jose game, Kevin, and fall apart when they did it. They lost shape. They lost structure. They lost everything that they had sort of tried to build in the first half and didn't do a good job of and then weren't doing a good job of in the second half and then brought subs in and got worse. Um, so having said all that, you, you have a bunch of players who are not performing and Sebastian Legette is scoring goals, which is good. And that's a good confidence to have and, and, and stuff like that. But you need two way players and um I don't think the LA Galaxy have the guys or the horses right now to be able to to really be competitive with 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 two way players like a Marcelo Sarvis or Janino, uh, a Mike McGee, um, any of those guys who really work their butts off. Um, I just I just don't see it on this team right now. Well, what I what I do like about that, uh, aside from where I can find faults with the ideas, going back to that pure vanilla four two four four two. Uh, you know, keep it simple. Uh, right now, the team is struggling, and they're talking about we don't have chemistry, and we're not playing as a unit. Okay, well, let's go back to the basics. Let's go soccer one on one. Start over again, and and start to build this thing forward. Let's not start getting too tricky until we have the basics down. It, it, that's that's one of the most important things. You, you you talk and you you listen to these guys, Kevin, and you know they say we did we got away from our game plan, and you know we didn't we didn't do the things the way that we wanted to do, and. From what I can see, and we've argued about this, is that Guillermo doesn't have a great sort of impact on this team. We can't tell you how the LA Galaxy should play under Guillermo Barrascoloto because he hasn't showed it to us. Um, the team hasn't showed it to us. Maybe he showed the team and they can't execute it. And if that's the case, then it's more about getting it simplistic and making it simple is that you want to put all of your players in a position to do what they're supposed to do. You know, um, with Perry Kitchen. He's a defensive midfielder. Make sure he's in the center of the field in a defensive midfielder position, and you're going to get the most out of him. You know, Julian Araujo is a right back. Make sure he's at right back and that he's defense first, but can get into the offense, and that's his best position. Um, you know, you can go through this field. Chicharito, you want to get him in the box. He needs touches in the box, but he can't start out wide um, and then work his way into these things. He's a second striker. He's not a first striker. Put him in a position to succeed. Christian Pavone is best on the wing as a winger. Let him cut inside and create space. Let him run to Chicharito. Let him run to a second striker. Let him create spaces in there and do it 
in a way that makes him successful because right now he's trying to shoulder a whole bunch of load and that doesn't make him successful. Uh, Being able to pass into situations, uh, all these things. And if you do all that, you can put people in a position to succeed as well, like in Sua and Bingham um, and Steres and, you know, even Rolf Felcher, if he's out on the field, you can make him successful if you give him the help that he needs and put him in a successful spot. And Guillermo's not doing that. And Kevin, this is the bigger question now. If if Guillermo continues to lose, he's not going to be able to hang on to uh onto this job i mean that that seems pretty clear right well yeah and and one thing about guillermo though i I think he came up with this pedigree from argentina and um maybe he i don't want to say he thinks he's better than he's been able to show but i think the talent that the the maybe the talent level is a little bit different he's just not able to do the things that he could do in 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 argentina he can't do those things up here and again whether it's the talent level whether it's the style of play whatever it is i i I just don't know that guillermo has made the adjustment yet and that might be his bigger his biggest problem he didn't have to make the adjustment as sebastian legit said when zlatan was here it was pretty you know the game plan was pretty straightforward i think guillermo may may be thinking a little bit too hard he's overthinking this thing he's over managing a little bit and and going back to the 442 again you know it, it the way that you laid it out is to go back to the 442 and again keep everything simple and let's walk before we can run i mean i think that might be the first step the players talked about going back to the drawing board maybe that's what we need to put on this drawing board yeah. and you know another thing you talked a lot about chicharito how this whole formation thing would be predicated on chicharito he might not play this week I mean, he's still still waiting for the baby. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that is one of the things, you know, um, that, that everybody's still sort of waiting for. Uh, somebody, uh, I was talking to somebody, he's like, well, he for sure misses one game whenever the baby comes. I'm like, not necessarily. I go, it depends on when when, uh, when his wife, Sarah, uh, has the baby. If it, if it happened today, he probably wouldn't miss Wednesday. Now, you can say that's good or bad or however, but with, with professional athletes, if it's not really on the day or, you know, the night before, sometimes they can they can get away with that stuff and, and make those things happen. But you're right. I mean, it's a complete sort of up in the air. And it's going to happen probably in the next, definitely in the next 10 days. Uh, I, I think if they, they're going to have to induce labor shortly. I mean, I think she's overdue already. She was at 39 weeks. So, um, I, you know, you're getting there. The, I, having, having recently gone through this, I can tell you that really it ranges from, from person to person. Usually the second child doesn't come, um, doesn't come late, usually comes early. Um, so we're already a little bit in the in the quote unquote 39 plus, but you know 39, 40, 41 is certainly within the the realm of normal. So um, it's not it's not. So how, how how many games did you miss when baby Zlatan was born? Uh, let's see. It was uh, it was off season, so I missed zero. I was I was rocking and rolling. It was good. December second, I was I was good to go. Uh, not so a problem. You, you you had a calendar. You were able to figure this out. You were able to count back the number of weeks and say, okay, you know, Vela, Chicharito, uh, Christian Ramirez, they all messed up. They, they, they couldn't figure out the offseason, baby. Um, I would say I did get married um, during the Galaxy season, but as has been well documented, I got married on a Saturday and the LA Galaxy had their last regular season game on a Sunday. Um, and and I you went, were there. I was at that there. game. That's correct. Um, only because we were going to on our honeymoon the very next day. Uh, I was going to say, you know, we were going back. I want to I want to touch on, you know, the formations. Uh, the only formation that I think Guillermo really needs to worry about um, is the Ted Lasso special. Um, if it's me, I'm running the Ted Lasso special or at least the Sandman in this. I don't Did you I, you're not following along because you watched all 10 of the episodes. Yeah, I, I, I watched them all in one day. Yeah, you, you all watched them all in one day, and so for for the rest of us, last week was the season finale of Ted Lasso, um, and you know I'm not going to say they were tears shed, um, but they were tears shed. Uh, and so if you haven't watched it, uh, you're going to want to watch it. Um, it's on Apple TV. Uh, it's absolutely worth whatever price they're asking for Apple TV. I've stopped remembering because I just I can't. If I look at how much they're charging me, I'll cancel it all. So I refuse to look. Um, but Ted Lasso was there, and they ran some trick plays. Uh, the Sandman um, and the the Ted Lasso special, of course, the Lasso special um, was on there as well. So uh, and AFC Richmond, it, it had to face a possibility that the Galaxy do not face, which yeah, was relegation. Which was relegation. Which, by the way, if the LA Galaxy were facing relegation right now, they'd 
wholly deserve it. Uh, LA Galaxy sit 23rd out of 26 teams in Major League Soccer. So if you lose the lose the bottom three, the LA Galaxy still uh, advancing um, in there. If you're if you're talking about you'll lose some from each conference, the LA Galaxy sitting in 12th in the Western Conference right now. Uh, they are three points away from the from the playoff line. So saying that they're completely out of it is not true. Uh, they're very close. Real Salt Lake has 1.2 points per game. The LA Galaxy have 1.07 points per game, um, and that puts them sort of in that uh, that area. I would like to point out the LA Galaxy did finally reschedule the game with Seattle, and that game now on November 4th. Uh, that's a home game against the Seattle Sounders. Uh, Wednesday, November 4th, 7.30 p.m. Uh, it's the midweek before uh, decision day on Sunday, November 8th uh, for the LA Galaxy. So uh, should be should be interesting to see and, and that's again uh, you know go back to where we started again why you let felter and jonathan dos santos go two guys who are starters it may not be pavone may not be chicharito may not be david bingham guys you're really counting on but you're going to play nine games in 32 days in three states and two time zones uh i think it would be helpful to have all your players there by the way when you talk about the record there there is more um right now as you said they are in last place they never finished last the galaxy in their entire history did not finish last until 2017 if they stay in last place that would be two last place finishes in four years they also have not if they don't make it to mls cup final that'll be six years since their last mls cup final that was 2014 which they won galaxy have never gone longer than three seasons between mls cup finals before um so uh, and and also this would be uh, uh this uh, they would miss the playoffs again i think this would be four t- Four times in five seasons, five times in six seasons, four times in five seasons. That's also uh, only the second time they would have done that. So it, this is it, it, maybe it's not the bottom of the barrel, but we can probably see the bottom from here. Yeah, I was going to say the only difference uh, right now is that the LA Galaxy technically wouldn't have finished last, wouldn't spoon last, just last in the Western Conference. Um, if everything ended right now, they're still, like I said, three spots above that bottom. But I mean, you're, you're, like you said, you're looking at the bottom. You can see it. Uh, the the LA Galaxy, with all the money they spend and all the uh, the things they do, um, should not be staring at the bottom of the barrel um, from where they sit. You know, they're three, they're three or four rungs from the bottom of the ladder in a deep dark well. Um, and I, I don't think they want to join anybody uh, down there as uh, as they continue. All right, uh, that, that would be the third. I just. Yeah, clarify third third time in four seasons they missed the playoffs. Made it in 2016 and 2019. The other two seasons they didn't. So it'd be the third time in four seasons. Uh, LA Galaxy playing against uh, the Portland Timbers coming up on Wednesday. So a midweek game uh, for this one. Uh, the Portland Timbers. Whenever you look at uh, where they sit in the grand scheme of things, um, you know they're in sixth place in the Supporters Shield right now, just behind uh, Seattle. Um, so sixth place in the Supporters Shield and in the Western Conference, you have Seattle leading, then Portland. Um, so the Portland Timbers at 1.71 points per game and 24 points total, a 7-4 and 3 record are formidable opponent for the LA Galaxy. Uh, I know the Galaxy have had some success this season against Portland. Um, I don't know if that holds up uh, for a Wednesday game uh, missing two players, although again, I don't know how much missing Jonathan Dos Santos and, and Rolf Felcher is really going to hurt outside of depth and you know squad rotation and everything else that they have, but it will be on Spectrum Sportsnet. Uh, that game 7.30pm time kickoff uh, and so it, it should be interesting it, do you do you give the LA Galaxy any chance against this Portland Timbers team the way that they've been playing, uh, Kevin? You know, I don't want to make any predictions because when we came back, the team came back from MLS's back. Remember, we were thinking that, that six game stretch did get one point. They won their first four. So uh, I'm kind of getting out of the prediction business. I never would have predicted two wins over LAFC the way the two teams were playing. Um, Portland has to make that one day road trip. Uh, they haven't traveled far. You know, they've been going to Seattle and down to San Jose and places. The um, I, yeah, I mean, I do think the Galaxy can win this game. And and it, that's kind of the cool thing about this uh, abbreviated season is as bad as some teams appear to be, Galaxy would be in that group, and as good as other teams like Colorado appear to be, this really is a season where on any given day, anybody can beat anybody. I don't know how much I like any of that. I mean, I, I know what you mean, but yeah, it, it's, it's maddening um, whenever you watch any of these games. Uh, sort of coming up and, and and how that ends up playing out and everything else. Uh, I'll tell you that right now, uh, Portland uh, plus 230 in this game. So on the road, plus 230, Galaxy plus 110. Um, so uh, the Portland uh, Portland seems like they're, they're the better bet, and they should be coming in. So, um, 
you know, we'll see. Again, this is this is just all like crazy stuff whenever you look at all the odds and all the games and all the things that are sort of happening in this condensed schedule and how many games the Galaxy are going to play down the stretch. It's just... It's exhausting. I'm glad that we get to do podcasts twice a week because trying to do this once a week and trying to sum up all the stuff that happens once a week would be would be even more exhausting. You know, these two teams met at MLS's back. It was the first game for both teams. It was a two to one Portland win, although the Galaxy did have a late uh, game tying goal called off by an offside penalty. Um, I, I think you got to throw that game out, though. I mean, first of all, it seems like 100 years ago. Chicharito scored the goal in that game, by the way. Right. It's his only goal of the season. So the only teams he scored against is Portland. He should be fired up for this one. I think you throw that game out, though. I mean, people were getting used to the heat, the humidity, the bubble. It was the first time on that field for both teams. It seems like a million years ago. And I don't think it has any impact on this game. I think the players have forgotten it just like most of us have. Yeah, uh, LA Galaxy went up to Portland uh, on September 2nd and won 3-2. Um, that was during that winning streak that they had. Um, so that was a that was another you know recent thing. But, you know, Portland is a, is a good team. Um, so seeing them come down to, to play the LA Galaxy, again, it's a coin flip, Kevin. But at the same time, it's a coin flip that I think uh, if you said, you know, that, that Tails was going to be the LA Galaxy losing, it feels like that coin is going to flip to Tails more than, I'd say, 7 out of 10 times right now. But having said that, you know, we uh, we did a great job predicting the LA Galaxy's last winning streak. Um, however, I'm more than ever convinced that that winning streak was a fluke, um, and that what we've been seeing outside of that, you know, four game winning streak and six game unbeaten streak is really um, is really who the LA Galaxy are. It's the either side of that. It's the MLS's back tournament. It's the games that were played before. Uh, you know, the pandemic shut everything down, and it's certainly these last uh, five games. Uh, so the Galaxy have a bunch to sort of push back against. For that, uh, and uh, we'll see what lineup uh, Guillermo Barrascoloto ends up putting out. Maybe he's going to have uh, you know Ethan Zubak play up top with with Chicharito because he listens to our podcast. What do you think? No, I think Chicha- if Ethan Zubak plays, that means Chicharito's on baby duty. Very well could be. So I, w- I wouldn't be surprised at all. All right, uh, I think that about does it, Kevin. Anything else you want to touch on before we leave? No, let's get out of here before we have more technical difficulties. This you, one's been been like giving birth, actually. It is, it, it is, it's a little labored, that's for sure. The, the seven or, or ten stops that we've had during this, which none of you, by the way, will ever know because I am an expert, expert editor. You'll, you'll listen. You'll hear it. Um, Hydr- hydration breaks is what we call them. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's what it was. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a t- Hey, you know what? That's podcasting. That's the stuff. That's the ugly side of things. There we go. So if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. Looking uh, for all of his articles, go to LA times.com covering soccer in southern california uh, a whole bunch of fun stuff there so make sure you pay attention uh, i'm sure his newsletter is coming out uh, on a tuesday morning as it usually does so make sure you subscribe and read that as well it covers soccer in southern california and around the world you're gonna want to catch it uh latimes.com for all that if you're looking for me on twitter at jay guessman uh at galaxy podcast and head on over corner the galaxy.com where you can read all of our articles our grading the galaxy eric has the last one up there um our previews our recaps our podcasts all that stuff is right there for you, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right, we're going to have a giveaway coming up on Thursday, so you're going to want to tune in a little counterculture giveaway. You're going to want to catch that. Don't miss it at all. Uh, for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Patrick Esman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.